Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I trust and hope that you are all well. There's a special announcement I would like to make. Seeing that I upload three times a week, I'm noticing views are down. And I noticed back when I was uploading five days a week, everyone seemed to enjoy that. So we're going to experiment just a little bit more with the channel to see if we can find our groove here. Beginning next week, I will be posting Monday through Friday and taking the weekend off to recuperate. That way, of course, I don't burn myself out or burn you guys out so <laughs> if you have any specific stories that you love the most please in this video's comment section of course you're more than welcome to comment on the video itself but please list the stories that you like to hear the most what genre is your favorite the goal here is to make sure that everyone is happy of course I bring whatever I like to to the channel but I do this all for you all the audience so if I'm putting out stories that the majority of you don't like please let me know and I will start sticking with the genres that everyone does like cool alrighty then so also beginning next week I will no longer be doing the memberships on YouTube and buy me a coffee instead I will be switching everything over to patreon so to my members and to those that would like to become a part of the patreon platform you will get that chance to next week there will be another special announcement on how you can get to patreon and how you can join there's a lot more perks to it including ad free content of course, uh, there will be a monthly fee for that, but more on that next week. So, stay tuned for that. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and enjoy this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Creepy Encounters. Right after this introduction, there will be an ad. I'll read the first story, there will be an ad. And after that, there will be no more ads playing throughout the video. I've worked in restaurants for almost 10 years, and I'm accustomed to getting out late. One night, after finishing a double shift at a ramen spot, I had my usual beer and decided to Uber home. My Uber arrived, checked the plate and all, and the gentleman confirmed my name. 
I spent half of the ride almost dozing off. As the ride progressed, I noticed the driver kept staring at me through the mirror. Never said a single word, no expression, just a blank stare. I figured exhaustion and the beer had gotten the best of me, and he was probably staring because he thought I was drunk. Later on, I also noticed that he had taken a different highway, and that we were making our way through Rikers Island. It was a route I wasn't accustomed to, but he had his ways open, and I figured he was trying to take some sort of shortcut. We kept getting further into Rikers Island, and the area had become full of trees and construction machines, neon cones and cracked cement. He came to a sudden stop. My car just broke. Get out and call another Uber. I was confused. There hadn't been any indication that a tire had popped or it ran out of gas, etc. I got out, and before I asked anything, he stepped on the gas and sped off. Car perfectly fine. Alone by a construction zone, I started freaking out and called another Uber. When he arrived, his first question was why I was in the middle of nowhere, especially so late. It was 1 a.m. at this point. I told him about the other Uber and he urged me to report it. I reported it, checked the profile, 4.8 stars, same license plate, but it was not the same man in the picture. The report never really got anywhere. I can't help but feel I encountered a possible murderer or sexual assaultist. So, I'm selling my mom's car. She bought a new one and isn't really very internet savvy. So she asked if I'm willing to do it and she'll split the money with me. Or, if nobody buys, she just writes it to my name. Some people have come to look at it and one evening a man calls asking if this is still available and if he could come see it. I said yes and gave the address, and he arrived after an hour or so. At first, he seems okay enough and asked questions about the car. My husband was also there, and they went for a test drive. When they returned, he starts looking for faults and complains how he thinks the price is too high. We tell him that the price is not negotiable, as the car has few miles and is kept in good condition. He gets more and more angry, demanding for lower pricing, and states that we can't get it sold with the current one. We tell him that in that case, we simply are going to keep it. He gets even more angry and starts yelling at us how he drove from another town, etc. We tell him that we understand, and that's the possibility that you might not end up buying he yells and curses and demands we sell for a significantly lower price, and we refuse. Finally, he asks one more time if we agree with offered price, and when we say we don't, he gets in the car and drives away. 
I was a bit nervous after that, as this psycho now knew where we lived, but it happened two weeks ago. We haven't seen him again, but I still can't help but still feel nervous about it. I was exiting the subway late at night, and the station was fairly empty. I was trudging up the stairs, and suddenly I noticed an old woman fumbling for something in her purse, and she dropped a key. I was close, so I bent down to pick it up for her, and that's when I met her eyes. Her stare was intense like I had somehow intruded upon some intensely personal affair. I am kind of polite and meek and said, Sorry. Automatically, it just escaped my lips. I was feeling super weird, so I just walked past. A couple of minutes later, I am headed towards the parking lot, and I see her beneath the lamppost. At first... I thought she was sucking her thumb or eating something. I was hooked for a couple more seconds, and I think I saw her trying to chew on that key. To be honest, I was scared and concerned if she needed help and was out of it. I started walking towards her and spoke loudly. Um, you need help with that? And she made a hissing noise. I stopped in my tracks, staring, and that's when shit hit the ceiling. She pulled out a crimpy bottle of plastic and started sprinkling its water around her and throwing some at me. She made garbled noises and I couldn't hear her properly because I was now choke full of adrenaline. In retrospect, it sounded something like, Be gone, you sinning, C-word. You're a demon. Like, what the F, dude? That was enough for me to get the hell out of there. It's been a week and she's still not out of my mind. I deboard at the next station now. Alright, hang in there. It's going to be a long backstory. I'm a 32-year-old female and grew up in Donetsk, Ukraine, a major city where my younger sister, only seven minutes from downtown, but the lifestyle was pretty rural. Everybody has orchids and gardens. Many kept animals for food. We got milk and eggs from our neighbors, fish from local ponds and lakes, Kids of all ages walked around unsupervised and adults would get together under the streetlights to talk while kids played. Unpaved roads. Everybody walked or took public transport. There was exactly one family who had a car because they owned a home garage business and fixed cars. Winters were very slushy and summers were very dusty. Electricity was very unstable, and we spent many nights in the dark. A piece of cloth dipped in oil makes for a great candle. We were that damn poor. 
our mother was an alcohol addict, fall down on the street in the mud, alcoholic. We had no dad. I always wanted a dad. When I was about eight or nine, she met a man with his own apartment in a more city-like area. The apartment had heat. Our house did not. So we started staying there for the winters. To get there, we had to walk between two mountains in these woods and right before, or after depending on the direction, there was an open air market that also had some kiosks, which mostly sold alcohol and tobacco products. Here is the actual story. So this one day, sister and I went to try and trade some bottles for coins so we could get something to eat that day, but... At that time, most places didn't accept colored bottles. With disappointment, we walked to the step boyfriend's place through the woods, and this man comes out of nowhere and says how he's been watching us and felt bad for us. So would we want some money? Of course, two hungry growing kids couldn't resist the offer, so we followed him as asked. He leads us to this tiny corner with a bush and drops his pants. I immediately felt terrified and grabbed on to sister. He asked us to touch it, but I refuse. I was kind of the spokesperson for us both, being the older one. And he starts to what I now know to be pleasing himself. At that time, I was just very scared and confused, so I angrily asked, you promised us money. Where is it? He finishes on the small bush and gives us five gribna. Looking back, we must have had a guardian angel or something because boy, could that have turned so dangerous so fast. He was watching us and definitely saw two unsupervised poor, dirty kids as an easy target. People like our mom shouldn't have kids. We got very lucky. She passed from drinking and we were sent to the orphanage, where eventually we got adopted to the USA, both of us. But so many aren't so lucky, and I always wonder, why me? A while ago... My 24-year-old female cousin and me, a 25-year-old female, were walking around the mall doing the normal mall things. We walked past a group of people who were standing against a wall. They looked like they were probably a family, some older people, some middle-aged and younger. I wasn't really paying attention until my cousin mentioned to me, those people are glaring at me as we walked by. I glanced behind me and gave them a dirty look back. Maybe not the best idea, but also, why are they staring? Immediately, a woman from the family started walking behind us very closely, maybe three feet behind us, keeping up our pace. The rest of the family stayed where they were. This continued for what seemed like forever. I was leading us pretty fast, taking sharp turns, maneuvering around people, 
trying to do anything to ditch this lady, but she stayed right behind us. After about five minutes of this, I suggested we go into a store. My cousin was unaware the entire time that this woman was following us. We went into a small store and we were the only customers inside. The mall was closing and everyone was making their way towards the exits. This woman stopped right in the doorway of the store and just glared at us the entire time we were in there. It was during this time I told my cousin, Hey, don't freak out, but this woman is following us. Directing her attention towards the person death-staring us from the doorway of the Godiva. She, naturally, got pretty freaked out anyway. Even the workers were looking at this woman like, What the F is going on? I'm not sure why I didn't ask the workers to call security or just ask this woman what her problem was. She looked pretty rough around the edges, and I was not interested in finding out why, or escalating the situation. I made the decision that we were going to walk around the corner to the food court and just sit down and wait her out. There were still plenty of people around, and I doubted she was going to do anything in such a public area. So, we sped past her and got to a table. She lurked around us like a hyena for maybe ten more minutes before she left. We waited a little longer and ran to the car after that. That whole time she never said a single word to us. But if looks could kill... I still wonder what would have happened if she followed us out to the parking lot. To this day, I am still paranoid any time someone is walking behind me. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this situation? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. In July 2015, 
I was on a hike with my husband and two friends. We also had our dog with us. We live in western Washington, and that time of year it stays lightish until 9 to 10 p.m. It was about 7.30 p.m. as we headed up. The trail peaks at a beautiful lake with a loop trail that brings you back to the original trail I ordered to descend. Light or not, it was late enough evening that many people passed us on their way down as we headed up. You can see the entirety of the lake from the top of the trail, and we were clearly the last people up there. As we made our way down, it was starting to get dark. Strangely, we crossed paths with a man making his way up towards the lake. He was not dressed in a way that would suggest he was camping or even hiking. He had regular sneakers, a t-shirt, and shorts. No water, no pack, nothing. We tried to make conversation, but he would not speak or make eye contact. My dog whined and whined and sniffed his feet and wanted to run back to him. I had to call her off several times. The whole interaction seemed odd. We could not shake the feeling that he was incredibly out of place. After 25 minutes later, we heard a single gunshot. He had killed himself. At the parking lot to the trail, there was one remaining car. We assumed it must have been his. It was unlocked and there was an envelope on the driver's seat. Both observed through the window, but we didn't open the door. We notified the ranger that stayed in a cabin at the edge of the parking lot, who said he'd call the police, but he wasn't risking running into a cougar to go up to and check on the guy. He's not the first and won't be the last, were his exact words. I wished I would have thought to ask, are you okay? Or anything at all. A few nights ago, I was having trouble sleeping and felt like I needed to move my legs and get some air. It was 3 a.m., but I live near a college campus and have been out at this time before with no issues. So, I took my pepper spray and went for a walk. I was walking less than five minutes when a car pulled up ahead of me and parked. The driver got out and headed toward an apartment complex. Seemed pretty normal. The guy looked non-threatening. But when I glanced at the apartments a moment later, the guy had not gone inside. Nope. He was standing back in the shadows, barely visible, watching me. Not on his phone or digging through his pockets. Just staring at me. My heart skipped a beat, but I stared right back so he knew I saw him and picked up the pace. As I rounded the next corner, he stepped out of the shadows, looked around, spotted me, and waved. I started walking faster. A few minutes later, I turned into a better-lit road and was on my way to forgetting him. But then, 
a car pulled up behind me. I bet you can guess who it was. He slows down and stops. There's no one else on the road. He rolled down his window and said, I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable earlier. The creepiest part of this is like he still sounded nice and apologetic and non-threatening. I resisted the urge to be friendly, stayed as far away from the car as I could, and gave him the death stare. He then pulled away and turned back in the direction he originally came. As in, he wasn't going down the road for himself. He just drove down it to find me. Needless to say, I noped out of there real quick. Before he could change his mind, I ran down a series of back alleys that cars can't turn into and jogged back to my house. Shadow, my 150-pound German Shepherd Black Lab mix, started to signal that she had to use the bathroom at about 1, 1.15 a.m. Annoyed, because I was almost asleep, I got up, put a hoodie on, and took her out with nothing but my phone for the flashlight. She started to do the usual sniff for 15 minutes just to go in the regular spot routine. I had my flashlight on her because she is camouflaged by the night, and I would like to know where she's at so she doesn't run off. Just as she's starting to use the bathroom, I turn away and notice someone. They're standing at the very edge of my yard. Looking back at my dog, I noticed that she wasn't paying attention to the person yet, so I called her to me and attached her leash. The person just stood there and watched me. I called out to them and said, You need to leave my yard. To which I got silence back. I cleared my throat and repeated myself, eventually attempting a third time just to change it to, Don't make me tell you again. You're going to leave my yard. Just as my partner was coming outside to see what all the commotion was, they took a few steps forward, clearly intending to continue towards me, caught a glimpse of my partner, backpedaled, turned around and left. As confused as he was, I was in complete shock. We've had to run this person off of our property because they would bring their dog over to use the bathroom in our yard, but it wasn't them. I've seen their face and it was not them. They haven't been back, but right before that, we did find footprints near our shed and windows of our home. Genuinely unnerved. We contacted the police and they didn't do anything other than take a statement. We've been told it'll go nowhere until physical harm or a break-in happens. Great. Just our unfortunate luck. This is my mom's story. She told me a multiple times. Over ten years ago, my parents bought a coffee shop. Cute little place in a historical part of town. Kind of a hidden gem, as it was blocked from view on the main road by a larger building. 
Most of our customers were regulars, although, at the time, considering we just purchased it, we didn't know many people very well. The coffee shop used to be open until 8 p.m. The area had some sketchy people. It was in a neighborhood mixed of small houses and mansions. One night, my mom was closing by herself. We didn't have much staff, mom, dad, grandma, and two other employees or so at the time. There was one customer left. Mom started cleaning stuff, getting ready for clothes. Maybe 10 to 30 minutes until close, she looked out the drive through window and saw a guy just standing at the edge of the small parking lot, looking in the building. Slowly pacing, but glancing at it often. Mom knew she had some bad vibes to him. Hood up, it's dark out, and it's late fall. Dark clothes. She says to Bob, the last customer, Hey Bob, there's a guy outside. I'm not sure what he's doing, but would you mind staying until close? We didn't know Bob very well at this time. He's a motorcycle guy. Wore a leather vest. Rides a Harley. Big dude. Not very muscular. But he's got some mass and height. Yeah, for sure. Another five or so minutes passed. Mom's keeping an eye on the dude as she's working by the drive-thru. He starts speed walking up. She quickly puts the pole in the window. Mom's freaking out inside, but keeping a level head. I don't recall if my mom tried rushing to the door or if she called out to Bob at this point. As soon as this stranger put his hand on the door, Bob stood up in front of it and just stared at him. The guy took off. Mom closed shop early. Hours changed to 5.30 not long after that. We also required two closers. I loved that place as a kid. We sold it about five years after purchasing it to a family friend. They've really changed the place for the better. They could actually afford to put money into a place where you just broke even. And since then, we've never seen that guy again. Before I explain the light post man, I need to provide some background information. I live in a rural area of the United States. I don't mean farmland, I mean thick woodland. No neighbors and a 30-minute drive to the nearest store. Yeah, rural. Anyway, our roads are decrepit and flanked by trees so thick that you can't see through any of them. It was on these roads where my friends and I would carelessly ride bikes and skateboards, which is a good segue to the matter at hand, the light post man. I was in my mid-teens and just had a really fun day with a friend. We skateboarded to the closest town, bought Mountain Dews and ice cream, then skateboarded around town until dusk. Admittedly, I urged my friend that we should head back soon. However, I gave in when he protested. By the time we reached the end of my road, it was completely dark out. 
The moon was very bright, though, so we could see the road very well. Oddly, no vehicles drove by the whole time, and my friend and I were excited to have the road to ourselves. We reached about halfway when we approached the gravel pit on my road. The gravel pit had a single, flickering light post with an orangish glow. We had just passed the gravel pit when we heard a male voice shout, Hey! Behind us. I froze. My friend hopped off his board and headed towards the gravel pit. I reluctantly followed close behind. He abruptly stopped at the edge of the road, leading into the gravel pit. It was then that I could see the source of the voice. A man was leaning against the light post. I could swear there was no one there when we had passed by, although I hadn't specifically checked. And the closest house was my own. Fearlessly, my friend took a step forward and asked the stranger, What's up? What are you boys doing here? The voice replied in an unsettling tone. Uh, we're skateboarding, my friend said casually while raising his board slightly in response. Oh yeah, the man said taking a step forward. Why are you out so late? He took another step forward. Uh, we're just heading back, my friend said. I could hear nervousness in his voice now. Oh yeah? The man continued. Where are you going? He took another step. His posture was definitely menacing now. That was enough. I had a sudden and overwhelming feeling that I was in immediate danger. An instinct, I suppose you could say. I began to skateboard away into the darkness. My friend, realizing that I noped out of there, promptly followed behind. I heard the guy's voice booming behind us. Hey, come back! But we just went faster. I repeatedly checked behind us to see if we were being followed. Thankfully, we were not. It wasn't until later that I realized that I had never seen the man's face. All I saw was his silhouette. His face was conveniently hidden in shadow due to a light post being directly behind him. It was unsettling to think about that at the same time. It is still unsettling to think about, period. Why was the man there? Where had he come from? Was he only interested in us? To this day, I still feel like he could have caused us harm or, potentially, kidnapped both of us. Well, I've done it again. Ignored the obvious megaphone red flags of warning, warning, your city is super sketchy. And did the dumbest thing of all. This happened a few weeks ago, but my memory was jogged by my sibling telling me something I didn't know. So, it was 11 p.m. on a Sunday, and I saw a Dairy Queen ad for BOGO deal. BOGO for a dollar, 
a whole ass dollar. Hell yeah. I decided I wanted Dairy Queen, and the deal expired that night. All DQs typically close around 10 p.m. here, but I found one in my area that was open until 12.45 a.m. Weird, right? Like, why not 1 a.m. or just 12? My brain didn't really question it till I saw where it was. Now, in my city, the downtown core part isn't a nice place to be at at any time of the day. There's a lot of homeless and mentally ill people who roam the downtown core all day long. I feel bad for them since my city is awful in shelters and closed down a few key ones to put in some bouquet places. It's a bunch of BS. During the day, the homeless people usually stay out of everyone's way and are pretty nice. At night, though, it's quite different. The DQ was basically down the street where no one, and I mean no one, should go late at night alone. If you have a group of people, you'll be solid, but alone is how you get jumped or stabbed, as is known for my city. I'm a big dude in both weight and height. I've never been intimidated before because usually I'm unknowingly doing the intimidation. My uncle even said once he'd never want to be in a fight with me because I could plant my weight and use my fists as battering rams. Until you get to know I'm a big softy, I look like someone you wouldn't want to F with. I didn't help the situation in what I wore, though. T-shirt, pants, shoes. No backpacks or coats where I could be hiding something for protection. I was like the rescued Marines you see in Halo Infinity. Exposed and dumb enough and too headstrong to take on things that could end badly. I tried to convince my sibling of wanting to get DQ because I couldn't eat two. Red flag number one. They tried harder than ever to persuade me not to go, but I didn't understand why. You have been in Jerry's. We can go when we get paid. We can go during the day. So many things and then. You know where it is, right? This just pissed me off, though, so I asked my dad. He said sure, he'd like one, and off I went. I got on a bus and headed towards downtown. Red flag number two. At the usual stop where everyone gets off, no one did. They proceeded to stay on for the final stop, and I got off alone. Red flag number three. There was no one around except for the homeless and mentally ill who kind of kept to themselves. Plus, I know now there's a halfway house on the street with true people you don't want to F with who were now intimidating me. Shit. No cops. No pedestrians. No shop owners. The bars were closed. No one. It was creepy. Red flag number four. The DQ is basically in the middle of don't go here, you moron, territory. But being me, I began to walk, 
then jog, then almost full out run. The whole time saying, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. Some people walking around kept trying to inch themselves closer to me and not in a friendly, hey, got any cash me? Way, but a, you're going to be jumped kind of way. Kind of like sharks almost, trying to see if effing with me was a good idea. Then I passed the halfway house. As I approached, this guy peered around the corner and called to his buddy that, and I quote, You got a loner here. F. My. Life. I kept walking. This big-ass man walks out and sees me. Two other guys make their presence known as I get closer to what I know now is a halfway house. This guy is alone, one says. Is he effing stupid? Another follows. I slow my approach. There's nowhere to go, really, because another was across the street in an unlit park. The big-ass dude gives me a look over as I walk by and says, No way. This guy will knock your lights out. Then he nodded at me and spoke again to the guy who peered out. But I didn't catch what he said. I just nodded back and kept moving. I got to the DQ and had to avoid a man loitering out front with his hands in his pockets. I just moved around him and his little stunt and my ignoring him seemed to piss him off because he was ranting and raving about it while I slipped inside. The DQ was a effing hole in the wall. No tables. You just order and leave. So I ordered, got my stuff, and left. You think that's it, right? <laughs> no. I now had to walk back through all of that. Walking past those guys who were still out front. The same guy before goes, The loner's back and he's got his hands full. I kept walking. The big-ass man waved his partner back. He nodded at me again while I was now verbally panicking. Oh, F me, this is a bad idea. You stupid effing moron, this is a bad idea. This is a bad, bad, bad idea. This is an effing bad idea. I guess my verbal panic now made him even less inclined to jump me. I'm walking like a madman myself as I frantically try to get to the bus stop, accompanied by my size is probably a scary sight to behold, even for them. My sibling then told me a few days ago that the place they work out downtown, the owner didn't want them showing up early because, and I quote, the area is not a good place to be at any time of the day and they might get hurt. Even when business owners say that, you know it's not a good place to be. Hey, good evening. I'm on night shift tonight, so I figured I'd finally type this out. It's been ongoing for a few weeks, but seems to be over. Or, I hope at least. 
I'm between places to live right now. My old apartment got condemned. So I, a 24-year-old female, am splitting time between my brother's house and my boyfriend's house while I'm finding an apartment. Unfortunately, we're in a hardcore housing crisis down here right now, so it's taking longer than I'd like. So my boyfriend has only been living here for a couple of months. He shares a yard with his neighbors, which is rented out by the same landlord. The neighbors gave me no bad impressions at first. It's a husband, a wife, a daughter, and somebody whose relation to the family was never made clear to me. He's a guy, though, mid-40s. So the first thing that kind of got me thinking was the fact that their bedroom activities could be heard. Loudly. Anytime they were in the bedroom and we were outside, we could clearly hear everything. This wasn't a huge bother, though. One night, around midnight, we could hear a chainsaw being used inside of their house, accompanied by screams. My boyfriend had the brilliant idea to go over there, but I convinced him that we'd just need to call the police. I don't know what the outcome of that was, but the next day we saw all of them at one point or another, and nobody seemed to have been hurt. The next thing I found out to be strange was when the wife had come outside as I was leaving for work. She was wearing nothing but sweatpants. To make it clear, I saw her bare chest. She just carried on doing what she was doing. The next thing, which seemed to be the final straw for my boyfriend, was when he and I were trying to sleep. They randomly started stomping on the floor inside of their house and started chanting. Not sure what they were saying, if anything at all, but he was getting restless. The next day, he went over to the husband and told them that they needed to keep it down. Both he and his wife were confused and played dumb. My boyfriend jumped to the conclusion that they were on drugs, and I won't lie, I did too. But they argued profusely that they didn't do that. The verbal altercation lasted a few minutes before my boyfriend simply told them to stay on their side of the yard and to stay quiet. This lasted for a whole day before the wife had come outside, wearing nothing but a sports bra and sleep shorts, and fell asleep by their fire pit. I'm a nurse by trade, so I went to see if she was okay and found that she wasn't breathing. I called 911. An ambulance came and got her, along with two of the others, who were all unconscious inside the house. I had remembered after all this was settled that my boyfriend had said once upon meeting them that the wife had mentioned that all of their windows were unopenable. They had suffered from carbon monoxide poisoning. None of them passed during the ordeal, thankfully. All three survived but I haven't seen them since and I doubt they'll be back in that house. I guess what I'm trying to say is, be safe and make sure that your house is up to code before moving in. We are currently in the process of having his house checked just to be on the safe side.
Today, I had an encounter that was interesting and slightly creepy. I apologize for any poor grammar and or typos. I have an autoimmune disease that causes neuropathy and messes with my dexterity, strength, and balance. As a result, I've had to find workarounds for normal activities like shopping. So, I use a grocery delivery service. The delivery people are generally very kind and helpful. I have never felt unsafe interacting with any of them. This morning, I received a delivery, and the driver was a lovely gentleman with whom I've interacted on multiple occasions. As we were going through the motions and exchanging small talk, I saw a man walking down the sidewalk towards my house. I live on the corner of an L-shaped road. Therefore, from my porch, I could see him walking directly towards us. I heard him say something unintelligible. I assumed he was talking on a phone or to himself, so I ignored him and continued my exchange with the delivery man. Sidewalk man proceeded to walk up my driveway and from several feet away asked, Do y'all have a pencil sharpener? I said, Uh, sorry, no. That was a lie. The thing is, I have a pretty decent ability to read people's mannerisms. It's difficult to explain. But the way he carried himself and the look on his face put me on guard. My brain was screaming, Stranger, danger. Delivery man and I just stood looking at him as he walked the rest of the way up to the porch and then held up a broken pencil. If I had been alone... I would have called my dogs to the door and locked up, honestly. The situation just felt... off. But delivery man was there and I remembered I had a freshly sharpened pencil not far from my door. So, I popped inside, grabbed it, and presented it to sidewalk man, who was asking delivery man how we knew each other. Hmm, whatever. Surely... This was a perfect solution to his problem, and we could all be on our way. But, nah. He looked at the new pencil that I had handed him. Then, looked at his broken pencil and sighed deeply. He then said, Well, do you have a knife? Delivery man shuffled nervously. I thought, How effing stupid do I look? This dude is got to be kidding. I do, in fact, have a very good knife that I will not be dumb enough to hand to a stranger for pencil sharpening purposes. Uh, no, I don't have one, I said. Delivery man to sidewalk man with an unnerved tone. Uh, can I help you? Sidewalk man shook his head no and looked annoyed. After that, they both began to walk away. But Sidewalk Man stopped, turned back, and, with a crooked smile on his face, pointed to some sodas from my grocery order and asked, Can I have one of those? I shot him a look, gave a very stern no, and locked my door. I saw out of my window that he and Delivery Man had a brief verbal exchange and then walked away. 
I noticed Delivery Man did not drive off until Sidewalk Man was completely gone. It may have been an innocent situation, but I'm not a trusting person. It seemed like Sidewalk Man was testing to see what he could get out of the situation. He was not keen to leave. It was almost like he was trying to draw it out and see how much I would interact with him. Especially after he realized Delivery Man was not with me. I'm not naive and my kindness is not to be mistaken for weakness. I'm going to be extra vigilant for a while in case he decides to show back up. What do you all think? This happened many years ago when I was 15. I lived in a small midwestern town that had very little crime and I always felt safe, even at night. I lived just a few blocks from downtown and would often walk or ride my bike there to pick up a soda, some candy, or, on this particular evening, a pack of cigarettes. I know, I know, I was way too young to be smoking, but there it is. So, I get my cigs and start walking back home. By this time, it is starting to get dark out, but that doesn't bother me. That is, until I pass a cross street and a guy steps out from the shadows and starts following me. Even then, I wasn't scared. Just aware he was walking behind me and getting closer. I sped up a little, and so did he. Pretty soon, this guy is like three or four steps behind me, and he asks me for a cigarette. Being a dumb kid who was raised to be polite, I give him one. Then he asks for a light, and I give him that too. Then I rapidly started walking away because the guy is starting to give me the creeps. He had long, greasy hair and the way that he looked at me made me feel very uncomfortable. It was like he was looking at his dinner plate and deciding what to eat first. So I'm skedaddling up the street, which is now going up a big hill when I hear the guy's footsteps starting to run towards me. I was already slightly out of breath from fast walking up this hill, and I know I'll never be able to outrun this guy. So I just kept on walking and hope the guy will jog right past me. Nope. Next thing I know, the guy has grabbed me from behind with one arm around my waist, pinning both arms to my sides and the other around my neck. At this point, I wasn't even scared. I was mad. How dare he? I realized that we were on a residential street so I tell the guy I'm going to start screaming my head off while I begin stomping on his feet as hard as I could. He hesitates for a moment, then lets me go and jogs further up the hill, disappearing behind a bush at the top of the hill. I cross the street to walk on the opposite side of the bushes he went behind and keep my eyes locked on those bushes all the way down the block. By now... I am only another block from home, and I break into a sprint and dash home. Of course, I never told my parents about what happened, 
because I was afraid of getting in trouble for smoking and that they wouldn't believe me. Turns out that several weeks later, this guy grabbed another girl and beat and sexually assaulted her. I didn't find this out until years later, when I saw his picture in the paper for being on trial for sexual assault. I think I was his first attempt and he got scared when I fought back. I am so thankful that it was the fight response that kicked in for me that night and not the freeze response. I was a very, very lucky girl. Also, I'd like to add that I had been through a lot of trauma in my childhood and had used the coping mechanism of disassociation to protect my psyche from the trauma. I buried this event the same way as spent years in therapy working through my guilt over never telling. I'm shocked and dismayed at the negative reactions this story is getting just because I didn't know how to react to a traumatic experience as a child. Maybe some of you should try some empathy instead of judgment. Some of the details in this story are changed for anonymity, but this is a tale 15 years in the making. I work with disabled and vulnerable adults. One time I was grabbing a drink with a friend, Joe, and he asked if I could work for his girlfriend, Jane. Jane and I got on like a house on fire. She had some physical disabilities, but also some mental health issues leading to her being prescribed a raft of antipsychotics. Joe was particularly on top of Jane's meds as he was training to be a mental health nurse. He had me filling in sheets as if I was working in a psych ward at their house rather than a private residence. Usually I simply make sure the people I work with take their meds. Sometimes if they're controlled drugs, I might need to fill in a tick box but he had full-on sheets that I was expected to fill in as a nurse would. Over time, I realized how controlling Joe was and how much he used Jane's mental health against her. Gradually, I realized that if he attended doctor's appointments with her, she would get an increase in meds. If I attended with her, this didn't happen. Joe was getting me stressed out with how useless I was, not putting items back into cupboards perfectly, making spelling mistakes, or missing punctuation on the over-the-top med sheets. I didn't notice quite how off-balance he was keeping me, but I was very stressed out. So stressed out, I had several episodes of insomnia. One of these episodes, the doctor concluded led me to hallucinating twice whilst awake. The doctor gave me sleeping pills and the hallucinations didn't come back. When I saw Joe hit Jane for the first time, I did have the wherewithal to call social services, but Jane claimed it hadn't happened. Joe said I misunderstood what was going on and that I didn't have any right to interfere in their relationship. The first time Jane left, he claimed I had undue influence over her and left me checking wards I said in case I was somehow influencing her as a vulnerable person. 
When Joe pinned me to a wall by my throat because I tried to prevent him from hitting her, I knew that I needed to leave. So I mentally gave Jane until January to leave him, and then I'd stop working there. I registered a complaint with Joe's nurse course about his treatment of the vulnerable. She left him before that Christmas. By June, without him influencing her doctors, she had been taking off all her psych meds and hadn't had an episode since she left, almost as if her stressor wasn't present. Her physical disabilities improved significantly as well in the years since she left. That's because of the lack of unnecessary psych meds. I haven't worked for Jane in years as she moved away to marry a lovely bloke. I do work for a young adult who is apprenticing in a workplace and for his first six months has me in the breakout area identifying anything a disability charity can provide for his access needs. His colleagues chat away to me on their breaks, including one who is very proud of his daughter, a nurse. The daughter had a colleague who at first used to provide fun tales of a dumbass who came to work hungover all the time. Then the colleague turned up to work on a ward whilst drunk or high. Then the colleague boasted about keeping an ex-girlfriend's interfering friend quiet by feeding her the girlfriend's drugs so she didn't call social services on him. The daughter has made a complaint. Then I got to see a photo of his colleague. Of course it's Joe. And I'm stuck here thinking about those times I hallucinated due to insomnia. Or did he put something in my tea? So before I moved to the town I live in now at the end of summer 2022, I was looking to rent local to stay close to family, but it went terribly wrong. This story is kind of long, but it is a real thing that happened to me, so I thought I'd share. I found a post on Facebook about a local guy renting some place. I knew of the guy, but didn't know him personally. He was a younger guy that was kind of new to town and needed a new roommate. I had got a hold of him about looking at the place. Before I actually set up a day to view the place, which I knew little to no information about, I was under the impression that he was renting from someone already and just needed help to find another roommate. The morning of the viewing, I felt awful and had a terrible gut feeling, but I wasn't sick. I got my mom to drop me off at a public area so I could carpool with the young guy, since he didn't give me the address. I remember asking about it, but he dodged the question and had said, It's just on the outskirts of town. So I believed him and gave him the benefit of the doubt. I got in his car. It was a mess inside, and as I sat down, he said, Sorry about the mess. I kind of live in my car right now. I didn't want to be mean just in case it could have uh, offended him. 
He rambled on complaining about his ex and he wouldn't let me get much words in. I honestly felt bad for the guy. I tried talking about rental questions and things I should know, but he dodged them. I didn't know where we were going. I realized after he didn't know the address that I was in danger. He was a terrible driver and was texting while driving and honestly not paying attention. Once we pulled up to the house, two other cars were there. He said, Oh yeah, there's going to be two other people looking at the place at the same time we are. We could split the rent for a ways so it's cheaper. I didn't know what to do or say because I didn't want to start a scene. I had never looked at a place before, especially on my own, so I honestly had no clue how creepy this guy was until it was too late. I asked, Do you know the landlord? Who is it? He didn't give me a complete answer except, Yeah, I know him from work. The landlord and the young guy I just met five minutes prior were talking as we all walked towards the driveway. I started chatting with the older women and older men that were there looking at the place as well. And they seemed okay and fairly normal. The landlord asked the young guy, So, what's your relation to these people? The young guy said, That's my mom my dad, and my sister. I was terrified. I thought I had heard something wrong. As we made it to the staircase, I had a really bad feeling. I almost turned around, but instead followed them inside. I can't drive, and I was scared for my life to say anything. The landlord had trouble opening the lock, which was really weird and creepy. Then, as the door opens, there's people's furniture and other belongings everywhere. Someone was still living there, but just wasn't home. Once we got to the driveway, the young guy says, Isn't this just perfect, sis and mom? I looked at the women like I don't even know you guys. She gave me the same look. I couldn't even speak. There was literally three against one if I were to start a scene, and I was the youngest one there. My instincts kicked in, and I refused to go down the hallway. I turned around, and a cat came flying across the floor, terrified. My brain said, Girl, you need to run. So, I did. I inched towards the door, and the older man stopped me. He said, no, don't leave. What happened? There's still more to look at. Please don't leave. You're making a mistake. I said frantically, The young guy said I was his sister and is lying. That's weird. This isn't the place for me. Bad vibes. I just get bad vibes. Bad vibes. I then turned the knob and ran down the flight of stairs. I pulled out my phone as I hit the driveway. I could hear the young guy yelling behind me saying, What happened? What's wrong with you? What's going on? What's wrong with her? So, I started running as I clicked the contacts app. 
I didn't even have time to type my mother's number. I never call unless it's an emergency, so she would know something was wrong if I did. She picked up after it rang, saying, What happened? What's going on? So I explained the situation. I could hear the guy behind me running after me and yelling. Luckily, the place I was looking at was across from my cousin's, so I didn't have to give her an address. She just knew when I said the area. I ran as fast as I could until I couldn't see him behind me. My mom showed up as soon as she could, luckily just in time. If it wasn't for that cat giving me a realization of what the F I was doing there. I don't know where I'd be or if I'd be alive. The young guy didn't follow me home, but silver BMW still terrify me to this day. I will never be getting a roommate or renting from a person I don't know. Please, everyone, stay safe and always follow your gut instincts. First and foremost, while I am not a Christian myself, I do hold a healthy level of spirituality and am quite honestly okay with any faith practice out there, provided that it is also healthy and does not overstep its boundaries. People are people and have the right to do as they please, but attacking someone using your faith as a weapon, that is something that I do not do. So, I live in a rental house with two friends in a pretty decent neighborhood. We're in very close proximity to the neighbors, which is a fair portion of the reason that this is a problem. We've met them before in passing many times, but never had an actual conversation with them. I picked up yoga when I was in college as a means of relaxing and getting my mind right. It's something that I do daily once in the morning and sometimes in the evening. One of my friends also practices yoga and we usually do it together on our outside patio area. So the neighbors I'm referring to are a family of four, husband, wife, college-age daughter, and teenage son. I won't mention any names out of respect for privacy and the obvious that nobody will actually care about their names. We were practicing yoga one morning around 7 a.m., and the wife comes out and walks over to our fence. She seemed kind of cheerful, but she turned smug really fast. She said, Do you have to be doing that really? We tried briefly to converse with her from afar, but when we couldn't get the reasoning, we went over to her. She said that what we were doing wasn't right and that she didn't want her children exposed to that. We asked her what we were doing that was so wrong, and she pointed out that yoga was a form of meditation that isn't Christian and that they raised their family to believe in God. This woman also pointed out to what we were wearing, which was yoga pants and tank tops. She went as far as to point at my chest and say that during our yoga sessions, a lot of the moves and poses we did put those on display, and it was something that she didn't want her children seeing. So the Lord that she 
pays worship to hath bestowed upon me the D-cup. So, no matter what I wear, they are going to be at least somewhat displayed. Lady, I can't help that. Both myself as well as my chiropractor wish that this wasn't as big of an issue as it is, but it is, so we'll have to live with it. I just smiled and said that I'd be happy to cover up a little bit more during our morning yoga sessions. This wasn't enough, because she said that under no circumstances was it something that we should have been doing in the first place. Eventually, we went back inside and went about our day. It was two days later before we heard from them again. We were doing yoga outside, as we have been doing since we moved in, and we get another visit. I even went as far as putting a hoodie on, just to show a level of reasonability. This time, she came with her daughter, and we got yet another earful about doing yoga. It was like she was on a mission to save our souls, rambling about manifesting energy, paying tribute to a Hindu god, and tampering with the metaphysical world. My friend had enough and told them to please stop harassing us because we do yoga for about half an hour in the morning and in the evening, and that's it. We go on with our lives. She then pointed out that when they pray... They're not doing anything different than what we're were doing. The two of them became very offended and then pouted off inside their house. The final straw came when the husband or patriarch of the family knocked on our door and handed us a pamphlet that I swear literally highlighted the dangers of yoga and the human soul. It looked like something you could find at the front of a church. It labeled a number of things wrong with it, and also listed a few things you could do to get right with God. Oh, for F's sake, it's yoga. I failed to see how this is offensive. We're not trying to hurt or offend anyone. Our other roommate, who was the only guy in the house, went later that day and returned the pamphlet to them and said that if he heard from any of them again that he would be pressing harassment charges on them. Thankfully, we haven't heard from them since. We still practice yoga outside. It's our property. We have that right. As much as I'd love for there to just be peace at some point, you just have to put your foot down and acknowledge that it's ridiculous. If any spiritual person found anything I said to be offensive, I do wholeheartedly apologize. I'm not condemning all Christians, just the toxic ones. It's Tuesday right now, so I hope everybody has a super week. So, for me to you, be safe and big hugs. I was in my late 20s and had a few days off. Wanted to be out in the mountains, camp, fly fish. I tried to recruiting a few friends, but everyone was busy, so I went alone. No big deal. I've been in wild spaces since I was a kid. I was excited to try this new part of the Uinta Mountain Range, a vastly forested high mountain wilderness. First day was uneventful. Caught some nice fish and drank too much. 
The next evening, things got weird. I had a fire going, nobody around. I was gazing at the stars when I noticed a flashlight out on the horizon approaching me. No big deal, another backpacker like me. I kind of forgot about it until I noticed another light from the opposite direction. Late night hiker, no big deal. I go to bed. I'm in my tent and hear people whispering. Devious. Sounds like they are plotting to do something. I keep telling myself I'm overreacting. I hear multiple footsteps around my campsite and this really heavy breathing. I have this like 9 inch buck knife next to my chest. I was ready to take these effers on for messing with me when things went next level. I hear this laughing that, to this day, makes my balls shrink. The acoustics don't make sense as it literally sounded like this guy had a PA system and looped an echo. It kept getting louder and surrounding me. I was effing terrified. I'm so still trying not to make a sound. In the moonlight, I can see a shadow of a face, maybe like three inches away from my tent looking in. Weird thing was, the face looked so long and misshapen. It slowly backed away and I heard running from my tent. My heart is in my chin. I'm surprised I didn't ship myself and I'm just frozen figuring out what to do. After an hour of quiet, I took my tent apart so fast I forgot the stakes and poles, jammed it into my bag and grabbed my shit and quietly snuck out of there. I proceeded to hike like 15 miles straight into the next day and evening just to get the hell out of there. Needless to say, I have not been back since and have only told a few people it scared me that bad. I hope you've enjoyed this story and always remember, be careful when you go camping. This happened a few months ago. I, a 23-year-old male, was driving home from a trip to the store while talking to my friend on the phone around 9 or 10 p.m. I pull up into my driveway, park, and talk to my friend for a few minutes while I'm sitting in my car. All of a sudden, the sketchy car pulls up directly behind me. There's no way I could back out without hitting the passenger side of it. It's dark, my driveway lights are kind of dim, and they deliberately turned off the lights of their car when they pulled up behind me but I faintly spotted three guys sitting in it. I'm feeling creeped out at this point, so I asked my friend what I should do, and we both decided I should wait it out a bit and see if they leave. A few more minutes go by and they're still there. Eventually, we figured that the best plan of action would be to stay on the phone, calmly grab my bags from the trunk without breaking eye contact with the people in the car and walk to the door, which is only about 15 feet away. In retrospect, it probably would have been a better idea to just call my parents and ask them to open the door for me from inside. 
I step outside, then grab my stuff from the trunk. The guy in the rear passenger seat of the car cracks the door open, and the guy in the front passenger seat is staring me down. They are definitely assessing if I'm a viable target. I kept eye contact with them, but I felt like a deer in headlights. It felt like ages, but it must have been two to three seconds at most. Suddenly, the guy in the rear shouts something to his buddies along the lines of, Oh shit, it's a dude. He shuts the door and they speed away at like 80 miles per hour on a residential street. I was relieved, but mostly confused. I updated my friend and let them know I'm alright. Then, I walked inside. I'm a male. I'm 5 foot 9 inches and slightly overweight with a bit of a baby face. So I don't exactly come across as intimidating to most people I meet. So I doubt I scared them off because of my appearance alone. I'm terrified to think of what could have happened to me if I were female. It's legitimately really messed up. Why am I safe from these things? Meanwhile, my sister and my female friends have no chance but to keep guns in their cars. Get tiny cans of pepper spray for their keychains and avoid being alone in general. It's a scary place out there. Whether you're male or female or anything else, always be vigilant. I used to think my neighborhood was relatively safe, but now I'm afraid of sitting in my driveway at night. I received a knock at my back door at around 1 a.m. They tried about three times before giving up. Someone coming to my back door is quite rare and would only happen if it were my landlord or my brother. My girlfriend has a key and wouldn't need to knock. None of the former would knock at my door at that hour. I didn't answer, mostly out of general annoyance. Flash forward to today, two days later. My girlfriend had just parked in the lot and I opened my back door for the first time, still hearing the knocks. I see some purple flowers in a plastic wrapping that had wilted due to the heavy rain and snow over the past couple days. It is unmarked and has no note attached to it. I immediately assumed the visitor had been someone who had delivered the flowers from my girlfriend. I had flowers delivered to her just a week ago, so I assumed she did it too. I felt bad that I had let them wilt in the rain and profusely apologized to her when she came to the door. The flowers were not from her, and the 1am visitor remains unexplained. If a family member sent it, they would have called to ask if I got it, and I doubt anyone is stalking me. I'm a guy in my mid-thirties. Any ideas on what this could be? I find it very unsettling. Any advice would truly help me calm down and feel safe in my own home.
This was a good six months back. My girlfriend was staying at her parents, so I, a 27-year-old male, was at the flat alone. Around 3 a.m., I'm woken up by a loud slam. I quickly jolt up. My bedroom door is wide open, and I see a bald man walk straight past my room and into the living room. I must have forgotten to lock the front door that night. I jumped out of bed, and immediately my mind made the decision to just stand in front of the front door. I figured, there's only one way out, and if he's taking anything, I can try to stop him. In my haste, I'd also made my subconscious decision not to put any clothes on so I could get to the door quicker, and so was standing there completely naked. Not important to the story, just semi-amusing. Anyway, the dude comes stumbling back to the door, had a handful of loose cans of Stella Artois cradled in his arms, a half-smoked cigarette in his mouth, and a plastic shopping bag hanging from one of his hands. I asked what he was doing in my flat, to which he replied, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. Though he could hardly get his words out, he was clearly absolutely effed up. I asked him to show me the contents of his bag, which didn't have any of our stuff in it, before proceeding to let him out of the flat, locking the door this time. I'm assuming he was just out of his mind on whatever and walked into the wrong flat. One funny detail. There was a point where one of the cans slipped from his grip and he had to bend down to pick it up, making him directly eye level with my bare waist. It was a very awkward moment and I'm sure the poor guy doesn't remember, so hasn't been completely scarred. Anyway, I got back into bed and could hardly sleep the rest of the night, my heart absolutely thumping. I will say, it gave me some confidence in my fight-or-flight response. You never really know what you'll be like in this sort of situation, and I was quite proud after the fact that I blocked his exit. I'm perhaps not the most masculine of men, so that was some nice affirmation. This was a completely true story, by the way. One of the most terrifying moments of my life. Seeing a stranger casually stroll into my living room in the dead of night. And that, dear listeners, is the end of these true creepy encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you're awake and listening, I hope you've enjoyed this collection of stories. Until then, I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night. <laughs>